0: Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm the ghost of Aaron.
1: Uh, ghost? Yeah. He died yesterday of a of a, of a fall cold.
0: Oh, he didn't drink anything bad, did he? No. No, okay. no. I, I, uh, it
1: uh, it glass right to his, his sore throat, and uh, now I'm on ya.
0: I'm on ya like a stain. Alright, well we're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, in case you hadn't guessed. Uh, entitled, The Most Powerful Adversary. Another stellar episode in a string of episodes that are making me question where this sits in the pantheon of shows that I've got in I'm, my head. I'm glad you said that,
1: because I was just thinking yesterday, is this my favorite season of television? I mean, I you know, we're halfway in. Well, we're... We're, we're way
0: more than halfway, and well, it's We're been... only three
1: episodes left, as HBO would like <laughs> to, just re- to remember. Uh-huh. Uh,
0: it's shaping up to be
1: in the top five for sure. I'm thinking of, like... Excellent episodes of television. I'm thinking of season three, the wire I'm thinking uh, and and four and season Mm -hmm. uh, four or five of, of uh, breaking bad. And I'm thinking of season two of justified. And you know, there's too many to to think I, I I, last time we did this exercise was like two years ago. We did like favorite seasons of television. Yeah. This is starting to shape up to be because it's shocking and interesting and every Mm -hmm. single time i think it's going to get over the top or or jump to shark it it doesn't like i don't know my jaw hit the floor when virgil
0: shot (laughs) that epinephrine on the floor Uh i'm like what are they going to (laughs) do and then again when michael comes in and you can tell that he's he's unfazed by this this, should we
1: compare and contrast this like like this fake out death which I'm not even sure if you can call it a fake out death. It's a it's a a crisis in motion versus what mm. like what the walking dead is doing to the glenn or oh like what true detective did with uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah. Ray. Ray, yeah.
0: Ray something.
1: I mean I think uh, Steppenwald said it best that like this was a tease, the others were taunts. Yeah, this is clearly telling you this is what's happening, and there is more to come. Like Michael yeah. dragging him out is probably not to just dispose of the body. It's it's he's got to find a shoebox big enough for Kevin to fit in. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He needs to find some birds. We'll
0: see. I mean, that's. But I've got all kinds, I've got
1: all kinds of interesting theories, and also I sure. just want to remind everyone that. Earlier this season, we got this background information about a man who was previously thought dead resurrected in a
0: cave in Australia, and he yeah. claims that he now cannot die. Sure. And so that's on the, the table. If you can't see the biblical references here, I don't know what to tell you. Sure. They're sure. The, they're the most basic of the basic Bible references. Yeah. Uh, now, returning
1: from dead is a is a a, a trope by a biblical sure. trope.
0: Definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think back in the season, I'm like. All right, episodes one, two, and three were absolutely stellar. Uh, episode four was, was that Matt? That was another Matt-centric episode, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: I can't remember which which ones were which, but yeah.
0: So I, I'm thinking back and I'm like, there was a single episode where I wasn't jaw on the floor at how good it was after uh-huh. after, the, after the fact. I mean... At the end of this episode, I I sat in my chair and said, "What the fuck?" For like five minutes. Like,
1: if there was an option to unlock next week's episode for ninety nine dollars, done, sold. I think I'd have called you up and like, "Come on, we're having a pay per view party. Let's split this fucker two ways." <laughs> uh huh. Charged ball move. I
0: uh, yeah, sure. It's it's getting to that point. It, it's it's crack like. And just the the way that everything just feels so natural, and like I I've noticed watching this episode, like. The convert the way they have a conversation in this show is unlike any other show. It just it has the space to be a conversation that feels real and honest. But it mixes fantastic elements in it. Like, oh, sure, that's you know, that's the plot. Yeah, you've got a
1: guy talking to a guy who's already talked to the guy before when he's sleepwalking, and I love how he just like yeah. wake up, you know, in the middle of it. <laughs> the kind of like oh, uh, and you know, his just was he joking?
0: Was he being sincere? Can you tell the difference in this universe? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I can't say enough good about this second season of Leftovers. And the first season was not bad.
1: No, I think, well, I mean, I was a big fan of the first season, probably a little bit more, maybe more so than you?
0: I think a little bit more, yeah, but it was a good season. I'm glad season we're on the one. same
1: page, because it's, it's rare that we just get to geek out about something together. Maybe it's not, maybe it
0: happens. more often than It's not that rare, that. but, but yeah, occasionally we'll, we'll not see eye to eye, but this one is just uh, incredible. Uh, so let's talk first things
1: first. A lot of people not happy with Nora for cutting and running. All right. I maybe see why they think
0: that. Sure.
1: I felt like I didn't have a problem because Nora has always been kind of her worst self is a kind of bitchy troll. Uh, you know, okay. I'm thinking like season one, her shoving a uh, a coffee mug off the table to watch it break. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, you know, ha- hiring prostitutes to kill herself, and the fact that she was about to cut and run on Kevin already when this baby thing kind of fell in her lap, and how her number one most important thing it seems to be drives her is to be safe and secure. Yeah. And last episode, everything was just dismantled from that facade. Mm -hmm. And then Kevin piled on at the end. And I think that she wants to be safe. Uh, She's got this warring thought of, am I a lens? And staying with these people, the thing to do? Uh, If Kevin hadn't announced that he was certifiably insane, I feel like she might have just taken off and left him with the baby and... Mary, but she hmm. tried to because she's afraid of being a lens. But she's like, well, the potential of me being a lens with the certainty of him being crazy and not be able to deal with this baby and this invalid. She did
0: the best what she could do, which I think she took off to Matt's little church shack. Potentially, yeah, uh, I, I think all the pieces are there. It's so I I don't very often have this feeling of something's not right here, but watching this episode. That's that's one thing that slightly bugged me. Like why did Nora take off? But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Like you said, he's Kevin's just piling this shit on her. And and all these pieces make sense in Kevin's storyline too. Like that's the thing like it feeds back into his his willingness to kill himself in this episode, right? He's sure. just lost his family. Uh Patty's telling him to kill himself. Because he doesn't want this family and he's like now got to kill himself in a weird way to prove that he does yeah. or or to preserve the family because he's got a ditch patty. Yeah. It, it, it's this weird feedback loop where kind of logical actions of every actor, every player in the game are coming back to work in weird ways. Yeah. To interact in strange ways that all make sense though.
1: And you know, people are like, "Well, you know, I thought Nora was a stronger person. than This St- stronger than what, sir or ma'am? <laughs> like last season, last episode was was really a kick in the crotch for her. Yeah, and uh, was well, you know this this kind of they they've they portrayed if you've been paying attention this going to uh, miracle as a hail mary for all of these characters, and even mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, uh, you know, be- right." slightly behind the nora firing line with the fans Jill everybody's like decrying her returning to kind of like her rebellious shitty teenage role but i've been saying Why this not? i've been saying this all season the reason that she got her shit together is because her dad provided her some stability in a yeah. post-apocalyptic universe. Uh-huh. And to the extent that he is no longer doing that anymore and that she can no longer buy into this lie that they told herself, she's reverting back to that angsty acting out teenager because that's how she knows, you know, that's that's how she makes it stop. Yeah. And I thought that, that Lori did a great analysis of why people in the universe are doing the things they're doing. And I also thought it was a, a great touch to show that the person who is professionally trained on these issues is still susceptible as anyone to to falling victim to them sure which is my experience with cults it's not you know it's not like you got a rational person who gets uh waylaid and you know uh or or you have to be an exceptionally gullible person to fall into this there's a certain amount of uh, trauma in your life, where you will be susceptible to being taken advantage of, and I don't know whether that looks like a multi-level marketing scheme, or a cult, or a bad investment, or a bad relationship, mm-hmm. but you're 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 a flawed human like the rest of us. Nobody sure. can is perfectly uh, invulnerable to these things, and I really like that how they how they show
0: that with Lori. Now, that conversation she has with Kevin is super interesting because it lays a couple things out that we can choose to believe or not. It seemed very logical to me. Um, totally, completely. But that's the character that Laurie is, right? And that's the thing I like about this. When when we say, oh, you know, it's still a question up in the air about the origin of Patty. Is she all in Kevin's head? Is she some demon that he's going to have to go to hell to do battle with? Like, all of these things are still up in the air, and we're seeing the different viewpoints of characters, right? Laurie is not laying out biblical truth here, Yeah, telling us that this is the way the showrunners see it and here's the thing here's what's up she's telling it from her character's perspective like a psychologist would a psychiatrist would uh you need to go get help you need medicine like remember that time i told you about uh neil or whatever his name is patty's husband yeah well that's why you remembered that sure uh and and the reason she doesn't appear right now is because i could prove her i'm her essentially her kryptonite exactly was very interesting yeah that's super super interesting and it and it There's there's no real proof there that Patty is necessarily in Kevin's head, but that's the way that that character sees it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's it's I feel
1: like that, you know, it's cheating a little bit because that's how I feel. That's how I feel like the situation is too. So I'm naturally sympathetic. But you you see the fandoms all over the place with this. Oh yeah, there's actually quite a few threads raging on the leftover subreddit about. You know, kind of stuff that we've talked about in the last few weeks, like I'm an atheist and I don't like Reza Aslan and I uh-huh. think he's fucking up the show and <laughs> I'm a believer and I feel like it's saying interesting things about faith. Well, I'm an atheist and I am take like it's so clear how what what you're bringing into this show yeah. affects your enjoyment of it and you can enjoy
0: it on completely different levels. And you will identify with different characters who are coming at it from the same perspective. And you like have. I'm, I'm coming at this
1: from a fairly happy place in my time. Like I feel like I'm pretty much winning in life right now, uh-huh. and it's having a certain effect. Like I can't imagine like watching the show, and you just <laughs> oh. lost like your mother or oh. father a couple weeks ago, or your brother's no. dead, or you've lost yeah. your job, or like that would be a completely different experience, but maybe also a positive one. Like, you're dealing with grief May, by proxy. I suppose and, 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 and some of the positive lessons it's teaching you. I, I don't
2: know. I or think it, it could kind be super amazing. traumatic. I sure. Mean, <laughs> it depends. I
0: can't take that off the table. Sure. Yeah. So it's a stew for sure. Uh, I, I just think it's super interesting how they're still... It feels like they're walking that line effortlessly. Because they're not writing from a place of, oh, we're going to be tricky and we're going to keep it up in the air. They're just writing from a place of, what would these characters do and think and say? Right. Yeah. And that that just feels so natural. And that goes right along with the the thing I said about conversations like they let a conversation breathe because that's how people interact and talk. They don't have these snappy one liner comebacks all the time.
1: I want to talk about a particular scene here and want to know at what point you realize what they were doing. And that's when Patty uh, was telling Kevin what he needed to do. He needed to go to Cairo, Egypt. Okay. And find this ancient artifact by the pharaoh uh, And drink Amenhotep. a cup full of his own cum. Yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> when I heard Cairo, Egypt, I'm, I'm like, oh, shit, National Geographic. And also, yes. that was the name of the town that she died in. And like, oh, my God, this is what we've been waiting for. By the time she started saying, acquire this chalice, it's, it's actually a chalice, really. I... I it was somewhere <laughs> between Cairo and fill it with cum uh-huh. that I understood. And drink it down every, and last, every drop. last drop. Every last drop. I thought that was really, like, it It needed some comic relief here. Yeah, yeah. And that was a nice, nice point. Because I feel like with the previews, they were building this up to, like, this was going to be a really meaningful conversation. Uh-huh. And it turned out just Patty fucking with him again.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it kind of kept us in the status quo, but uh, that's fine for a single episode. What do you think about the guy learning Russian? So I was surprised at this. While I'm watching this scene, Patty's shouting, it's a duck. It's a duck. And I'm like, I don't know that I saw Kevin see the duck. So how can she know that if she's all in his head? Is this a clue? I have some ideas on it, but I want to get your your opinion on this. I think it's another one of those things where
1: it's ambiguous as to whether it, uh, he, I mean, I honestly, I think she's a figment of his imagination. So yeah, I think he saw it. Maybe he saw it in reflection. Mm-hmm. Maybe with the camera angle was a little deceptive, but yeah, he saw it and, and, uh, it, it wasn't a tell one way or another.
0: Okay. That's my, my thought too, is that she's all in his head um i'm kind of going with the laurie angle here but i i was wondering because i didn't see him uh does he know russian at all does he maybe know the russian word for duck and he sees the other side of it and he's like now patty knows that it's a duck it's a duck yeah uh and then she looks at it and she's like oh he's learning russian because then she sees the duck and kind of uh reverse engineers this sort of scenario i'm not sure but I, I'm sure there are people on the Internet reading a lot into this scene. Yeah. Well, and
1: also people were debating whether Patty sitting on his keys and blocking his view of the thing, whether that is proof positive that she's real. And I'm like, no, because you yeah. can, you know, if you're full on hallucinating a person – there there you go like you're hallucinating something's not there to the, to the extent that you believe it's 100% real then you for mm-hmm. damn sure can miss the keys and the notes and all that stuff yeah so i i don't feel like that that is is evidence in fact i think the strongest evidence that she doesn't exist is what lori says like why isn't she around like get her get her ass up here right now we'll prove that she's and like ask him probing questions like what is she wearing Yeah. you know trying to i felt like she did a really good job of taking him at face value but also trying to lead him to where things were as far as uh, a you know rational point of view like you need to get help this is you've got a medical history of this in your family and yeah. you're having a psychic break or psychotic break and you need to get on antipsychotics and we can you know we can help you. Mm-hmm. Now what I thought was interesting why do you think he heard all that and then flew to Virgil's house
0: what happens between those two scenes there's something
1: Lori comes home with him
0: and, and he Jill... talks to Nora on the phone yes and then he says hey if I can get rid of this Patty would you believe me and would you come back and she's yeah. like yes uh, I I think so I think he had set a plan in motion Um. Too. like Maybe he was going to have Laurie come back and try and help him through this scenario and just assume I guess that Nora's gone now. Um, but when Nora calls, that disrupts his, his path, right? Sets him off on a new path of trying to prove to her that he's okay. What about this? One and th- this is the
1: only way he knows how to do it. One of the things he said to Virgil when they first met this episode, he said, I can't kill myself. I'm a family man. I have responsibilities. Uh-huh. Laurie coming home... Kind of gives him an out there, right? Yeah. Because now you know, yeah, Jill's Jill. not thrilled to see her, but that is someone who will take care of Jill. Yeah. And now she's fine, and she's no longer crazy with the guilty remnant, so now it's my turn to go do something crazy. Mm-hmm. And Nora's fine with the baby. Like I, I feel like now, kind of what Jill said about that he's been a guy who had to keep his shit in for all these reasons, now he is a man with nothing to lose, and I don't think he yeah. ever gave any credence to what Lori was saying it was all about oh now i can commit i can i can do this free and clear
0: yeah he's got an opportunity to try and fix himself the so other thought him. i had is it's nighttime he just got off the phone with with
1: uh nora he blacks out and he's actually in sleepwalk mode again
0: Yeah, so the show hasn't done that to us right it hasn't shown us kevin in sleepwalk, mode. in sleepwalk, we mode. always stick with Kevin, yeah. the present, conscious Kevin, and we see
1: him bewildered at the things he's done.
0: So I assume they're going to keep us in that mode. I would
1: feel a little bit cheated if right. they didn't at this point. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good take. Uh, I also want to talk about. Did you notice all the light bulbs? Yeah, in on- Virgil's. So I did a little bit of research on this, and there's a photograph that this artist Jeff Wall, took called. After the Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Hmm. The Invisible Man is this, you know, uh, very seminal work. It's a Kevin uh, Bacon of the... movie, sure. <laughs> but it's also one of the, like the I guess the fir- they call it the f- one of the first great African American novels. And Actually that's
0: Hollow Man. Never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh uh Shit! You completely derailed me. <laughs> Sorry. It's one of the great, one of the one of the first great novels by an African American. Okay. It's about essentially the Invisible Man, not because he's literally invisible, but because he's a black man in society and gotcha. he's not seen. Uh, and it the the book opens up in the prologue with the Invisible Man, uh, who I believe is never named in, in the book. It's been a long time since I've read it. It's been since high school, which, according to my reunion, was twenty years ago. Uh, But he's sitting in this room that's beneath a Whites-only hotel. It's in, like, the boiler room. He's covered the ceiling in, like, thousands of light bulbs that he's burning day and night, stealing power from the establishment. Like, that's something he does. He's living in this room, rent-free, at a Whites-only hotel, stealing their power. Taking the power back. But there's also a lot of um, symbology there, like, you know, Mm -hmm. all these ideas like light bulbs turned on his and he's got all these ideas in his head and he's sitting down to tell his story and he's getting all these all this power and all this current and all this imagination and creativity um, but this guy, Jeff Wall, was inspired to make a photograph that's kind of like trying to capture this protagonist sitting down at his typewriter to start telling the story mm-hmm. and it looks exactly like Virgil's house. Like all the light bulbs, all the fixtures, yeah, all the stuff—it's like it's it's modeled exactly in this photograph, which I think is interesting.
0: Okay, uh, I'm I'm sure that's probably some inspiration for the set designer or potentially for the writers. Uh, it strikes me though that most of these light bulbs are off. In I, I don't know about the photo, but in this episode, no, most no, of them are yeah, off. yeah. So, so what, I don't know what can that we, says about it. Can
1: can we say that these ideas are not are, are bankrupt? That these are false ideas? I don't know. They I promise mean, what illumination, that for, yeah. but they have only darkness? Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly he's suffering from a bait-and-switch. We just don't yes. know to to what extent. Do we want to talk about this?
0: I mean, we, we will have to at some point, sure.
1: Let's go ahead and do it, because I want to. Okay. Um, I have a theory that I've not seen anywhere else, that okay. this is not actually poison. This is some kind of powerful, you know, psychotic thing What you a psychedelic that uh-huh. Kevin's drinking and that there is no need for an epinephrine. Um, but Virgil wants to, st- to sell the story to Kevin. So he's going to go through the shred of like pretending that he's dead. It's going to be like a rain, uh, you know, a uh, uh, serpent in a rainbow situation where Kevin's going to go through this thing where he, he thinks it's death. And then he's going to wake up and Michael's there and Michael's going to say, my grandfather gave you the shot and now you're you're alive. And he also killed himself because he didn't want to deal with any illegal ramifications of killing, you know, attempted murder for somebody. But also lets Kevin play around with the idea of Virgil being a spirit guide, because now if he appears in his vision, it's going to make sense. But it's like hmm. this is all put on because I I don't think Virgil's
0: coming back. I'm I'm not really following you down this path, man. <laughs> really? So it's just it's, 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 the way it's not that, poison. It's the way that Michael reacts to the death of Virgil, to the scene that he comes upon inside the trailer. That's part of my theory. I don't think
1: he seems surprised. He seems shaken that it's like, "Oh god, it's my No, grand-. no, no.
0: I mean the visceral reaction he has to his grandfather's blown-out brains. Okay. That's the thing. Like if he if this were some like vision that Kevin's having, why would that character react that no, way No, no, Virgil
1: totally shot himself in the head. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think Vir—I don't think right. Virgil thinks he's got much left to live for. And like this thing that he can help Kevin with is maybe a way to atone somehow for his p- past
0: sins. So that's where my head or went he too. he feels like it's the, the path he
1: needs to be on and Michael agrees with him. The yeah. other thing that I saw as a theory, and I'm not sure if it's a feedback or not... Um, Another theory I saw is that somehow Michael and Virgil suspect that Kevin was involved in the disappearance of yep. the granddaughter. So this is essentially
0: a way to kill him. That's where my head went. And especially with the atonement concept with Virgil, like if he really feels like he's wronged John in some way, I'm not 100% sure exactly how it is. Like who is involved? Is it John? Is it Evie? Is it uh, John's wife? whose name I can't think of right now Regina King Erica um, it could it could potentially be that he feels like he's wronged him and the payback has justice has not been served yet and this is his way of delivering Kevin the guy who they all think like with this matched handprint and everything harmed Evie in some way maybe he's delivering that up for John and 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 that's why Michael's dragging him off to show him to John. The only I'd, question the, I don't the know.
1: only thing that doesn't make sense, I'm gonna start poking holes in this because I thought okay. initially I liked this theory, but I'm thinking Virgil reached out to Kevin right when he arrived at Miracle, way before the events. It's true. Yeah. So it's like why was that connection why would Michael be down with murdering Kevin? Like mm-hmm. I think Michael truly believes that his his sister got departed. Okay. I mean, I explain because you'd have to explain why he was scraping the label off. I mean, I I feel like that's a good theory, but it doesn't really fit the timing of when Virgil re- reached out first to Kevin,
0: and you know, I mean, there is the potential that next episode, this show is going to go to some really crazy places. I like, said in
2: the
1: forum that like if if Kevin and Patty have a post death. Saruman yeah. versus Gandalf wizard battle I'm all in on that I don't care <laughs> I'm, I'm with you I like it could be a I, sucker punch style fighting a metaphysical dragon like a, <laughs> a literal dragon I don't care like yeah. I I could see that and I, I would
0: be entertained by that so the thing that makes me wonder about that is Virgil talking about being Kevin's guide Right, and then blowing his brains out as he's killing Kevin. Like, yes. if they're going to some other plane of existence that Virgil knows about because either he's been there uh, as he battled with his own demons or yeah. or he's read about or her, whatever. If he's going there to be Kevin's guide through that and destroy Patty, that might be where we're headed, like... I don't think so. I don't think that's what the show... I mean, I'm saying that this show's
1: enough credit with me that they could totally cash that in, and I would be lapping it up, unless it's just terrible, but I can't... Sure, yeah. Uh, but I don't think the show would ever take us to that metaphysical thing at, at this stage in the story anyway. I could be surprised.
0: But, I mean, Michael clearly is okay with all of this. No, he thinks it's working Which has to me... a
1: purpose. Yeah. And and so, uh, you wonder how, to what extent he's been involved in his grandfather's capers till now because now we yeah. know there's a clear connection between Virgil and the man on the pillar. Mm-hmm. We know that you know Michael's essentially his errand boy and he takes some food, uh, and and that he's involved in in this mission his grandfather's got. Now one thing you said confuses me. Yeah, I thought it was very clear that John is Virgil's son and
0: that Virgil molested him. Like I didn't think there's ambiguity about who did what there at all. That's I think there is ambiguity. Um he hurt John. He doesn't say how he hurt John. He does say you know something about uh lower regions or something like that. I I forget exactly how it's worded, but I think it's implied, but it's never outright said. He so said potentially he, he could He hurt him when he
1: was younger and he he it was long it time was ago, using yeah. using his infernal machinery. Uh, or his his vile machinery below his yeah. waist that sin transgressed against the laws of man, and I I got so now I got this head of like, uh, for some reason maybe because Virgil when when Michael was born or the kids were born, uh, he somehow ended up winded wound up with those kids alone, and John flew off the handle and went to shoot him. And Erica tried to get between them, and the gun went off right by her head, and that's why she's deaf. Okay. And that's why Virgil got shot up. and Because I, I think that's kind of how I'm seeing things now. But regardless, the way the dialogue went, and I, I paid particular attention to it, it seemed like it could only apply possibly to Michael, but the way it was said in the stream of times, it seemed like it could only apply to John.
0: Uh... Yeah. Yeah, the way I read it was he did something that hurt John, and I don't know if he did something to John or someone John loved or yeah. whatnot. But ultimately, it doesn't I don't think it matters sure. that much. Sure. No, um, and
1: if, if, if to the extent it needs to be clarified, we will. I firmly believe that that will be clarified in in the upcoming weeks.
2: Yeah,
0: or you know, I don't think it really needs to be. It's clear. Maybe will be beside the point. Yeah, it's clear something happened between them, and it's not good. Yeah. Uh but the, the where, fact where's that- like, Oh, so so why does why is Michael okay with this? I think that's an interesting question. Is it because he, you know, he's a religious person, right? What stories? Yeah. What stories has his grandfather spun about this? Does he has he told him about this plane of existence where he's got to do battle with the demons, or or does he has his grandfather come up with a plan by where Michael like said something to Michael where he'd be okay with his father just killing himself or his grandfather killing himself, like? What is Michael's part in this, A, and why does he go along with it? Those are question- the two big questions I have. I think Michael
1: believes in forgiveness and redemption, and he believes in miracles. Yeah.
0: And I feel like that maybe he thinks that his grandfather's going to come back. So is this why he identifies with his grand? That's that's the other part that's surprising to me. Like Why does he identify so much with his grandfather and seems to be a little bit resentful of the way that his father views miracles? Because I mean, clearly because Michael's a religious kid and John That's is not yeah. a big part of it, but, but why? So is that why he's so attached to his grandfather? Just because his grandfather believes in these things? Well, everybody,
1: uh, every teenager has to rebel against something, right? So if your father's an atheist, that doesn't believe in miracles. Maybe you rebel by spending time, by by trying making a point to forgive your grandfather who hurt your father and
0: when your father won't and, forgive him, and you him, got I'm great,
1: sure. you got great kind of smug cover. It's like, well, this is what a good Christian would do. Sure. So it's a like, it reject Like that. This is this is Michael's version of stealing the baby Jesus. Yeah. That Jill went through last year.
0: Yeah. So I I'm super curious what's gonna happen next on that on yeah. that front. Will Kevin come back to life? Think, I don't know. I mean if no, you're going Kevin, with your I don't think Ke- now super I ayahuasca think, plan. I, think I, think I don't know this that he's show, dead, but
1: this show could certainly survive the loss of Kevin Garvey.
0: I think it told us in no uncertain terms that Kevin Garvey is dead and that Virgil uh, Murphy, I guess, is dead. Both of them are, in fact, dead. Right now. Right now.
1: But Kevin, I think, can come back easily through for, for a variety of ways. Sure. I but don't... it's
0: weird that they have the pin, and then they just... Here's the thing about this bird box. Uh-huh. The bird box doesn't resurrect dead birds. No. The bird box preserves the life of the bird when it shouldn't be preserved, Yeah. right? So... If Kevin's dead dead, I don't know that he can come back if you shove him underground in a box.
1: Well, but and Erica said it's also it was medically impossible for that bird to survive. And I don't, sure. you know, again, is he dead? What by what
0: definition is he dead? But she didn't he snap dead? the bird's neck and shove it in that box either.
1: But but I'm saying is like, by what definition is is Kevin dead? Did his heart stop? Sure, like a doctor wouldn't. He's say got He's got five de-
0: minutes, right? Yeah,
1: like yeah. when his brain's dead is when we kind of say a person is is gone. Yeah. So we've got time, and we don't. We also again, I don't know what poison that is. I don't know if it is poison. It could be, you know, concentrated peyote or. A uh, b-
0: bunch of fucking magic mushrooms put in the blender. I mean, it's clear or... that bad things are happening to his body. Very, yes. very bad things. Yes, sure. So that's my take on that scene. I think Kevin's dead. Well, yeah, I'm, I keep on wanting to say yes. <laughs> he's,
1: you want he's this, certain, this he's, he's certain kinds of dead. He's like 18th century dead. And, yeah, yeah. and also, again, I, until I know what he actually drank and what the plan was, um, do you think that... He you, drank a couple of his own Virgil, cum, obviously.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you think that, that, that he collected before he, he yeah he tied himself to a cinder block and threw himself into the river?
0: Yeah, don't don't try it. Do you think that that's Virgil, why you needed two girls for one cup? It kills you. If...
1: But that's I guess you. you I, I want to ask you what you personally believe. Do you believe that Virgil meant to kill him? Because I look, yes. I watched that scene a couple of times, and it. Doesn't look like Virgil had any hate in his heart at all when he was doing any of the actions he did.
0: Oh yeah, no, I, I Virgil has a plan. Yes, of some kind.
1: Now and whether I his plan relies on a bunch of woo woo bullshit that's not going to actually work in the real world, or whether the woo woo <laughs> bullshit actually works in this not real uh-huh. world, I, I don't know. Or whether
0: he's, or whether he's just dead set on killing Kevin. Or whether and Whether Michael's going to hook his
1: genitals up to car battery and bring him up that way, I, uh, I don't know. Frankenstein him.
0: Yeah. I you're right you're right i don't think clearly virgil clearly virgil had planned this uh and and the thing that's that tells me yes he wanted to kill kevin is the fact that he dumps that epinephrine out on the the ground yeah i mean i my jaw hit the floor when he did that i I couldn't believe it i was like okay so the plan here is he's gonna do exactly what he said bring him back to life after a couple of minutes and he dumps that syringe out on the ground, I'm like, oh my god, what is happening here?
1: What did you think of the show, The Leftovers, lampshading the magical negro trope while also employing the magical negro trope?
0: How did... What do you mean? How did they lampshade it? That he but was the, telling like, this story
1: like, like and, even like, Patty, Pat, it becomes obvious. Patty says, oh, so the solution to all your problems is a magical black man that lives just outside of town? That's borderline oh, right. racist. She, she does say which that. This is doesn't his Legend of Bagger Vance. This is the Green sure. Mile. This is, you uh, know half the things that Morgan Freeman's done in his career. Yes. This this is the spirit. This is the white man that needs a, a spiritual black man to guide him out of whatever situation he's in. It's a, it's, it's a trope and borderline racist for, for a a, a lot of reasons. Uh, My, my response to that is I feel like the Murphys are well-developed enough characters that they didn't even need to lampshade it. I feel like that these, this is not a character that was created to serve Kevin this is a creator yeah. on its own right that has many important interactions with other characters who also are not there just to serve the, the, the K- Kevin's narrative. So it's already not that trope, but I thought it was smart of them to at least acknowledge it and address it.
0: Yeah, I mean, in as much as you can say, you know, this show is about Kevin – I mean everything's kind of there to serve Kevin if you think it's his that's, story right but that's, that's debatable though at this it, it point. is debatable yeah like, I is think Nora is about Nora, about Nora. sure about, there are other characters but yeah. uh yeah I I didn't I didn't feel any of that going into this but I don't know maybe it's there what do you make of the fact that Kevin
1: is trying to do the things that the voices in his head are telling them to do but the last thing that Patty told
0: him to do was don't do this. I feel like that's a defense mechanism. Huh. Uh, Patty's been playing a game whereby she's trying to get Kevin to do something, and the last thing she wants to do is have him go to battle with her, which, for some reason, I'm leaning into this idea that there's going to be some kind of ethereal plane battle. I'm cool with it. I I know, I know. I'm I'm just saying that's where this thought is coming from. Because they could do it, and then he could wake up, and it would be... That's the thing. If he most kills shows, himself... I, most shows, when you say it's all a dream,
1: you that's cute to just lose your mind with rage. This show, I would
0: almost be relieved to find out it was just a dream.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, but but my point about Patty is, like, she's been telling him to kill himself because he's completely unprepared. Like, if he kills himself and goes to some other plane and does battle with her, he's gonna lose. uh uh-huh. If he has no freaking clue what's going on. Now that he's gotten clued in and he might have a guide in Virgil, I think... Patty, whatever that means, part part of Kevin, some other demon representative, whatever, is now scared hmm. because he has some of the tools he needs to defeat her. Well, uh, whatever that means, yeah. You know,
1: I would love to know what ad- adversary that Virgil beat, and I also because yeah. like up until now, my theory was that 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 Patty was a red herring, and that the most powerful adversary which I remember when I found that there was someone in the forums that posted the episode titles. And I had just got my, you know, Job and the adversary and the devil and Satan kind of theory out. And then I saw that one of the titles was the most powerful adversary. And I'm like, oh, my God, uh, I'm yeah. on to something. But I always thought the <laughs> adversary was going to be John. Yeah. And I wonder if we're still getting that because this is called the most powerful adversary. We're talking about a lot of these you know quasi metaphysical adversaries but John is the most prominent literal adversary in this episode because
0: oh, yeah. Kevin put his neck in a noose. Yep. 100%. I mean, there's no you know, there's he didn't actually hurt them as far as we know, but he might have yeah. and and now they know that he was there, so Yeah. as far as they're concerned, yeah, he's guilty of something. He's going to have a lot a lot of explaining to do. Yep. Uh, and
1: I love how they played that, where it's like, I know this is not the right thing to do, but how can I possibly refuse? Mm-hmm. And I also love the fact that he went through that just to get out of his handcuffs and he left still in handcuffs. Well, Patty said it perfectly. You went to go, you get, got, came here to be set free and you got yourself caught. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty tasty. That's some pretty tasty irony.
0: And the other thing they're doing with this, you know, is the metaphorical demons right the inner demons mm-hmm. the the guilt that virgil would feel and him doing battle with that and how much of this battle that he's talking about is with those demons and how much of it is with real demons and it we just s- don't know does it make sense what
1: john is doing here pass around flyers that if you're innocent come and get your palm print scanned is that because and I mean, and, that... and how long is this this town going <laughs> to uh, going to be happy with him being the Krampus that he's putting everybody's name on the naughty list and, and yeah. beating them up if you don't get your fucking print scan
0: I don't know I'm not sure how much the town knows about it frankly like do they know he's going around beating people up who claim a big miracles town. yeah
1: and now that you got this guy we know the at the very
0: least that someone at Erica's work also knows about it because she's like you need to come see this guy last episode Um, So you can cover up the shit that John's been doing. So, like, it's out there, outside of the family. So maybe it's extensively out there? Like, everybody knows about it?
1: The minister knew about it. Yeah. But then, of course, he probably would. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Shall we talk about Lori? Sure. She shows up. Yeah. Looking for Tommy. Tommy's nowhere to be found.
0: Let's talk about Tommy too because
1: and also I like the fact that um, you know Kevin's been feeling bad for keeping things from his family, but he got a lot of truth bombs dropped on him. the fact that Nora didn't tell him that his wife called or his ex-wife called, the fact that yeah. uh, Jill didn't tell him that her and Tommy are keeping in touch. like for ever for for a, a family that prizes itself on complete honesty, as 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 the Garveys 2.0 has done, a lot of expose exposure to at least lies by omission, if not by commission.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure where Lori factors into the rest of this season, or Tommy, it, it's, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, it, that's so, a really good question because I had figured when we heard that Tommy was missing that he had gone off to do some Holy Wayne type work. Yeah, seems like the exact opposite is true. Unless Lori doesn't understand. But I thought there was a lot of
1: kind of equivocation and double talk with Lori saying that we were we were selling people this lie, and Tommy didn't like that. Uh, Did Tommy not like that because he honestly believes he is mad, he he, or has come to appreciate that he's got magical uh, hug parties, and he doesn't like his mom treating this like a joke? Uh, Because maybe there was a point where she was trying to tell the story and I really thought she got trapped up on her words a bit and was trying to yada yada past it. But I wonder if that's what's going on. Like if they had their big blowout was you've let this go to your head. And he's like, no mom, I'm the real McCoy. And we saw that it was kind of Tommy who had the idea in the first place, right? I don't know because we that's didn't the impression. I got, they, they didn't really show us. They skipped a lot. Yeah, they did. And, and we went right from them saying we have to give them something and someone, one of those two people had a light bulb moment. I don't know which one it is. And then the actual resolution of it. And now we've jumped ahead again to they're fighting over about whether this is a good thing to do or not. But the way it's phrased is deliberately to where you don't know whether Tommy thinks it's bad to lie to people or whether he thinks it's bad to present that Lori thinks it's a lie Mm -hmm. or he doesn't want to do it anymore because now he thinks it's real. And
0: that's too much. Like I, I don't know. Things are wide open with him. Is there any possibility possibility here that Liv Tyler has come back and talked to him, and he's gone? Oh, of course. Away
1: with her. Of course. I thought that the big risk to, to Tommy was that he was going to think that this guilty remnant has things figured out and join them. And yeah, and if, when with, he was with going around being and making the an open play for his soul, the way she did, I think that that's yeah. my prime
0: concern with Tommy. Okay, it's very possible we will find out before the season is over the Tommy is gone to whatever portion of the guilty remnant she represents. I actually point.
1: think it would be super interesting to have a Tommy versus Meg showdown. Like, Tommy's like, "Holdy Wayne's real, I'm his successor and Meg's like, whatever the guilty remnant's... Patty. I, she's the new Patty. She's the new Patty but what is their ethos? Their ethos is, morphica- uh, is essentially that we're already dead and that any time spent trying to rekindle life as it was is an affront to God or a thwarting of his
0: purpose. I guess, I guess that's so. the most yeah. concise way I could put their ideology. Yeah. I thought it was funny that Lori's right back to smoking now after she had her, uh, fishbowl full of well nicotine gum. More addicted than crack, man. Sure. It's, it's tough. Yeah.
1: I have a question for you. Okay. What did Jill mean when she says this is twice now? This is two it's moms that have left me?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Over... This is two women you've driven away, Kevin. Does she blame... Because, man, it's hard to blame Kevin for the first one. Especially since we already know she's still furious with Lori.
0: It is. And I think... Didn't Lori say something about, like, part of... And that's understandable. What cause... made her question things was Patty herself. Like, yeah. I don't know that he can necessarily be blamed for that. No. But this Nora thing, and it's it's rough too on Jill because she was bonding so much with Nora, right? I think so. I think they have a, a genuine relationship there. Yeah. Which
1: might sting the fact that like that's the thing with Laura, or I'm sorry, not Laura. Nora. I tried to split Lori and Nora together. <laughs> uh I don't understand why she didn't take Jill, except for she's doing the math and like, okay, I'm gonna take the people that can't that I know Kevin will probably end up either killing with neglect or being crazy. Um, but Jill is old enough she can take care of herself, and she's not gonna, you know, swallow whatever Kevin's Kool Aid is. And I won't lens her this way. Mm-hmm. But it, it for Jill's from Jill's perspective, it must feel like a real fuck you. Yeah, like I don't know how. Assuming that Kevin and Nora get back together, there's some speculation that this is actually going to be now Kevin and Lori getting back together and Nora's has always been kind of this this the detour. Um I don't know how how Jill and Nora get back to good because
2: yeah, it's not is even telling her. To like yeah, it's, it's both it's, of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought when she said this is the second time, it's like this is the second mother figure that's left of me. Yeah. And because I can't of take you. it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the because I, I don't know if I agree with you that because of you is implied there, but hmm. it's certain uh All right. because I, I think that she came out of last season thinking Kevin is a true blue. Like her mom she wanted to get close to her mom. Her mom roped her into this religion.
0: Almost got her burnt. Almost got her burnt <laughs> to death. Her
1: dad is the one who heroically came in kicking down doors and dragging her out of there while her mom was sitting on the lawn unable to speak. So I can't swear that with
0: blaming Kevin for driving the mother away. Well, there's something along the way, like in this season, where she's always like kind of side-eyeing Kevin and being like, you're not going to fuck this up again, are you? You're not going to ruin another good thing. She said that multiple times throughout the season, and I'm always like, that's the impression I get of her. Like, I don't trust my dad not to fuck things up, and that's why I kind of go to blame when she talks about maybe these she's things. old enough
1: to see the analogies between grandpa and her dad. I mean, obviously we know that because that's what she sat down with Michael when she's fuckedy fuck fuck at the church. Yeah. Um what is she? Hosting a ball move podcast. <laughs> uh what did you think about the fact that Lori comes downstairs and she sees all these pictures of Kevin with a baby and a dog and Jill and this woman who's kind of her age and her class. What what did you think of that thought that thought? Because, you know, the thing that we know that no one else besides Lori knows is that she was nominally pregnant on the day of the departure. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know if, if her fetus got departed or whether she ended up having a miscarriage or an abortion because she didn't want to deal with all that or because, you know, a lot of pregnancies spontaneously abort. Uh but I thought that was interesting. That she was like her reaction seemed to be kind of a contented smile. Like good for these people. This isn't this isn't for me. I don't deserve this. But I'm glad hmm. for them. It wasn't like sadness okay. or scorn.
0: Yeah, don't. I didn't really. I didn't get much out of that moment. Honestly, huh. what is going on with Kevin's dog? So I felt I coming out of this episode. forgot
1: everything. Everyone's forgot about Kevin's dog. Yeah.
0: It ran across the street at one point, didn't it? No, no, like, no. no. Into I the don't woods? think that was Kevin's dog. I Surely thought that to was God. That's I thought that not was Kevin's dog. dog, but maybe not. Uh I thought after the earthquake it got out. Mm. But I'm not sure. Um because that was this that was the the whole
1: season arc for season 1, the crazy dogs and had Kevin kind of made this his family dog and at a very cathartic moment, and now the dog got taken away from him. During and his his descent to madness started sliding into high high speed. Yeah. Is there going to be another moment where he makes peace with his goddamn dog?
0: That's going to make you know us all cry. Uh, I don't know if it'll make me cry, but I, th- <laughs> I think there could be. I don't know. Laurie's clearly playing at it like this is. I don't know. So we we talked about it in season one a lot and how this was kind of a sign of his insanity or like at least his demons that he had to get under control here. And as they they kind of ran roughshod through his life, things got worse. And once he kind of tamed that, you know, things got a little better and he had a dog and all this stuff. But I I also get the feeling that there's a little bit of like his guilt wrapped up in this. I, I always look at Kevin and I see a man who feels guilty about everything uh he feels guilty about even about being a dick about the dog situation exactly Which,
1: that's 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 humanities in a nutshell right we're worrying about what other people are thinking about us at all times and they're worrying about the same
0: yeah yeah as long as we are not a sociopath just, sure and we should really just get over it like well i don't we know would, if you need to get over it but you need to I think that's a good not be realization. Crippled by guilt, can yeah. we agree at the, yeah. to that compromise? We should yeah. just not be
1: crippled by our guilt. That doesn't really mean anything anyway.
0: Yeah. Do your best. Try not to intentionally fuck people over, and yeah, uh, be able to forgive yourself. I don't know. That, yeah. That's a message also in that's a this. skill
1: that can be that can be learned in practice for sure.
0: Yeah. But so that was part of like what I'm envisioning. What I'm thinking about when I see this dog is Kevin being able to either forgive himself or at least acknowledging this guilt that he's got uh and especially as it relates to this dog right like that's why I see that as a symbol of his guilt too yeah but i'm I'm not totally sure where they're going with that theme uh the also
1: I gotta say the law of the nine thousand two hundred sixty one has been conserved Lori comes into miracle and Virgil blows his head off it's true it's like, true they they are really keeping 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 count.
0: How did he get her in there?
1: I think it's implied that they have the last same last name, so uh-huh. it's like this is my wife, and you know she's out, and and here's mine people. They just
0: okay. I can buy that. I just I was do curious. Theory, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's 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 the theory. Okay. Uh, which makes you wonder why? Oh, I guess Matt doesn't have the same last name as Nora. I
0: was like, why did no. Nora
1: do that trick with with Matt? Because how would they know they're not married? They're like, oh, of course she doesn't have the Jamison last name anymore.
0: Yeah, and Mary does.
1: Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? There's a lot more stuff, but I've deliberately walked left, left some areas for our fans to kind of come in on the feedback.
0: Let's let them cover it. Um, I'm, I'm fresh out.
1: Let's get right on to it. Gnome uh, B had something he wanted to share with us, and he missed a cutoff last week, but I think he's going to be doing this on a weekly basis, and it's kind of a cool idea. So starting at Sunday at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, he is a very talented pianist and he is playing the Leftovers suites kind of like uh it, it he's blending like different themes and and mm-hmm. some of the music and it's kind of like a medley that he's playing to get uh the fellow fans into the mood for the Leftovers like you know a 45 yeah. minute warm up it's a it's a prologue and he's he's live streaming this I have a link to a Reddit thread where he announced it. He also mailed it into us that I'm going to post. It's got all of the relevant links that you need to follow. So if you're chomping at the bit at eight o'clock this Sunday and and you want to kind of get into an emotional uh, a, a mood for the show, uh, I would I would check it out.
0: Yeah, I did check it out. I've, I I, I got too. there a little late. On Sunday but I so I, he I, sent us some YouTube links for I watched videos. all the
1: archival stuff that he had
0: yeah really good stuff I, I obviously the when he plays the theme song yeah. my ears perk up but that's yeah, only because yeah, yeah. it's a theme Uh and I also checked in on him for like the last 15 minutes of his live stream on Sunday for The Walking Dead and it was really good extremely talented like I used to play piano I don't anymore and I'm bad at it now but uh-huh. he's really really good so yeah, yeah he's way out. better than you no oh, for sure yes <laughs> Uh, Scott Dove from
1: Cincinnati said, there's no way, this is from last week, there's no way the girls are a secondary departure. If they did, I find that that's a slippery slope for Lindelof. If people keep departing, it's going to be hard to avoid dealing with why. As mm. long as it's a singular event, the focus stays on the aftermath. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I like the fact that the sec- a second departure is something that is played with because like the guy from MIT said, why wouldn't it? If something happened and we're... Mm-hmm as a rational person trying to deal with this
0: rationally
1: that if something happens once it can happen again.
0: Now here's a question for you. What if this Kevin stuff at the end has him transported to the plane of existence where these departed people went? Is there anything interesting to be mined there? Sure. But
1: my, my first thought is how are they going to convince me that that's real? Sure. Because I know when your brain is dying, it does things that convince people that there is an afterlife and there's a tunnel of light and there's like things both scary and benign happen to you. So uh, I mean, my reaction is if I see something fantastical of him doing battle with Patty as a flaming dragon or
0: him (laughs) running into the other 2% of the population is this is going on in his head. And that's the real problem here, right? There aren't any rules that they've established to this universe They've just kind of thrown up a question. Sure. Like, what the fuck just happened? Great great departure, uh, sudden departure, and nobody knows what's going on. We don't as an audience, and we don't have any rules to judge, okay, this is really happening or this is not. And I think that is interesting in a lot of ways, but it also kind of precludes the idea that you could prove that this is happening without first doing a lot of groundwork to set up rules. Sure.
1: Uh, Scott continues, I have a theory that Erica knew her mom's plan to run away and decided to run away preemptively to show her how it would feel. <laughs> After all, it wouldn't be hard to stage right. a departure like they did, and maybe that's the gift Erica gave, or sorry, he he got it wrong, Evie gave her dad. Uh, the bo- In the box is a note saying that she's going to stage her departure and not to worry. Presumably, he hasn't opened it yet. That would be the perfect gift because the departure would destroy the mystique around miracles, something her dad wants more than anything. That's an interesting concept that inside the box is something for her, you know, to be like, "Don't worry, Dad, I'm doing this to fuck with my mom." Uh, and that John has no. That doesn't it. jibe with what I know about Erica. Or jeez, now he's got me doing it, uh, Evie. But mm-hmm. it's an interesting concept because something, something's in that fucking box that's going to blow something the important. lid off of this in the next three episodes. And I, can't, I, I, my dead cricket theory is kind of off the table because clearly that was. Sp- specific to the bird and not miracle although i guess it's not totally off the table
0: also it wasn't a big part of the show right ultimately i think you look back at that now seven episodes in and you say that was kind of a one off joke sort of thing right or, or it was thematic for what he was feeling through a feeling at the time and yeah. it was it was an insight into his head but not relevant to the plot and i think At this point, I'm wondering why hasn't John opened that box, and when they open it, is it going to be anything that we care about? Or are they not going to open
1: it? Oh, they'll open it. Because if we hadn't seen it since then, but we've seen it since then. We have. John's carrying it around in his truck. Uh, Why hasn't he opened it? I'm guessing because I can imagine a parent would attach a lot of importance to that, and it's like, I'm not going to open up this until my baby girl can see me open it. (sighs)
0: uh <sighs> people do shit like that yeah i I just like if there's some clue as to what happened to her in that box he's missing it that's a good counterpoint like what's i don't I don't know if it's me I open it if it's me I but I' don't I'm think right he's, there I, don't,
1: I think the fact that she could be staging this or she could have run off herself is so yeah far outside of what he's thinking that he thinks it's just some thoughtful gift that is his beautiful uh Wholesome, not giving me a moment's problem, daughter. Other than telling bad knock knock jokes, uh, th- th- that's something yeah. from her, and, I, and I'm not going to consider it as evidence for a criminal trial.
0: I, I buy it. I mean, I'm I'm not yeah. saying I don't believe that he wouldn't open it. I'm just saying if it were me, I'd open it.
1: One thing I want to talk about is that I forgot to mention. It was an idle thought I had. We've had a person dying of poison in this season, and that was the cave woman from the prologue. Is there anything, any comparison we can make to Kevin situation here? Is if he does, in fact, die, does Lori come in and take over the baby? Or does she take over Jill as if Jill is the infant that's being passed from Hmm. one person, from one survivor to another?
0: It's an interesting question that I had not considered (laughs) before this very moment.
1: Well, and I don't have that. that I literally, that's all the thought I have. But it's like, uh, you know, it is... We can't forget about it, and it did involve someone being poisoned. So yeah, you're right. But yeah, that's I don't want to don't want to belabor it. But some put put a little brain bug into the listener's mind. Okay, uh, Carter. Why said I have to say this is how you end an episode. If the Walking Dead showrunners were in charge of that cliffhanger, <laughs> they would have cut back. Uh, Cut the black right as Kevin asked how long it takes and falls. Then followed up this episode of the 90-minute flashback episode about John C. Riley's journey of building a shit castle in Miracle Square. Square.
0: (laughs) You know, they they might actually do that. They might go into a Tommy Tommy episode next. I think we will. And you know what? I'm cool with that. Because Uh
1: the last time I complained about it, they knocked me on my ass with the Tommy episode. Exactly. So bring it on. Knock me on my ass. I can can deal with Kevin dying for another week or two. Yeah, I could use another Matt episode as well. Uh, my own pet theory is that this is some part of the ritual that Virgil has left out, that the epinephrine was just some false reassurance that he felt Kevin needed, though I don't see why Kevin would have turned uh, would have turned away by that point if he had any fucks left to give about living or dying. Yeah. Maybe Michael is taking Virgil's place, and the argument was not about wanting Virgil to die, or whether Michael was not re- or was ready to take on the role. That's kind of an interesting thought, too. Okay. And Michael's going to be Virgil's successor as yeah. a mystical guy.
0: <laughs> mystical guy does he get the trailer yeah sure okay cool i
1: can also see a scene I where sign up for that. kevin is about to come back to life and like every fucking light bulb in that trailer
0: bursts yeah showering him with glass and re-killing him
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure sure it, it's the filament. opposite of the of the pond
2: or
1: the river draining uh i got quite a few emails and and forum posts and facebook messages along these same lines but matt s sent it an email uh, What would it take for you to replace The Walking Dead instant takes with Leftover instant takes? After this episode, I fucking need it. Ugh. That's something we've not... have have talked a bit about because we are increasingly dissatisfied with what The Walking Dead is doing and we are increasingly satisfied by uh, what The Leftover is doing. My thoughts are... I don't... It's the same way that people wanted us to do this in, the, in True Detective Season 2. I don't know that you would be happy with the instant cast that we would do for this show. Because we're just yeah. people, man. Uh, our instant reactions are not particularly... Um, uh, inter- well, I'm not even going to say that. Like, What makes our sauce special, to the extent that it is, is that we have a lot of smart people that send us email... And we get to watch it multiple times, and we get to talk it over with ourselves, and we get to see what other people are thinking. And -hmm. we synthesize that and kind of, like, get together once a week to tell each other what we found out about the show. And that's what makes it interesting. And with this show so deep, if nothing else, I feel very self-conscious about what I was going to say throughout the episode. And what I've seen about, like, with Game of Thrones, sometimes that really distracts me from the episode because I'm like... Oh God! we're thirty minutes in, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Yeah. And what is that? And and like I kind of selfishly want to preserve the fan experience of seeing this. I come, I uh, you know, I always watch it late Sunday night. I'm done with Walking Dead. I come home and watch it, and my mind is blown. If I convert yes. that to a nine o'clock watch, that then I go do an instant cast. Now I'm distracted with having to put on my podcaster hat before I can just enjoy it as a fan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um. The the other thing that is kind of a problem here is our live watch. Yeah. So I firmly believe that the leftovers would be a terrible live oh, watch for us. Oh god.
1: No, it just be us sitting there, you know, occasionally gasping or Yeah. And also or crying. if
0: it wasn't if we were making jokes and stuff, it would be a terrible instant cast because we wouldn't have cast. followed the episode. Right. We'd have no idea what's going on and we couldn't talk about it. Um the other thing, if we're just So talking we would r- either have to stop doing live watches, which is bad for our our members, our club members, or yeah. Do a live watch that no one wants to watch. (laughs) So neither of those options are good.
1: Uh, The other thing uh, to talk about, like, you know, watching the sausage be made is that it's fair to say that The Walking Dead is one of the things that pays the bills around here. That is true. Now, I'm not saying that we're chained to this thing, Ahab style, uh, because I can see a future where we're just like, fuck this, we're not doing it no more. You know, whether it's popular or not, be damned. Uh, just because we don't have the passion for it I've always defended The Walking Dead by saying While it's not anyone stretching imagination The best show on television It is one of the most fun podcasts we do And a lot of the bald move culture Comes from stuff we've made up for this podcast And, and, and I, I hate true. giving that up But it also feels increasingly ridiculous To devote, devote four to five hours of, of of podcast coverage to this show Yeah uh, and and then we have the leftovers where you know i don't know maybe we it do gets a, hour maybe we half. should do a friday show of the leftovers where we do a theory roundup where you know this is what's go this is the state of the art of speculation and theorying and and craft going into the weekend to get you hyped up for it
0: yeah i mean there there are there are ideas. Uh, I think ultimately it's too late in the season. Yeah, to hit that this but it, season. But, but yeah,
1: it's. I just you know, it's. It's not that we're not hearing you or not thinking about it. It's just you know. Yeah, we think about everyth- this stuff a lot. <laughs> everything is all more complicated than you think, and yeah, lots of stuff going into it. And also, I don't want to make it seem like I'm doing Walking Dead just for the money.
0: Yeah, it is fun.
1: It is fun. Well, it has been.
0: I was just telling you because it's we were becoming talking, less fun, honestly. Well, I, I don't like I, shitting on something. You didn't week have after this week.
1: experience that I did, but last year when the Walking Dead season five B was broadcasting simultaneously with True Detective, oh, that yeah. I, we weren't even covering, so I didn't even have an outlet. It hurt my soul, man. That like yeah. I watch a steaming pile of shit at Walking Dead episode, and then I watch the seven minute single cut. <laughs> <laughs> take on episode four, and I'm like, "What am I doing? Yeah, what am I? What am I doing? And I feel I'm like having, that's that your moment. having that experience yes, right now. I am. At least you get to do a podcast on it, though. You're right. Um. All right, moving on. Jordan K says, "I'm sure this has already been mentioned, but I don't think Virgil hurt John directly. I think he probably molested one or both of the Murphys' kids.
2: Okay. John that's found out about that, headed.
1: then tried to kill Virgil. That's why Erica was so adamant that Virgil stay away from her family. Seemed pretty obvious to me, but a lot of chatter online postulated Virgil had directly mislested John when he was a child. I don't think that's the case. Please keep up the good work. I'm uh, with you. So I'm with you because ex- that explains why. Um, the Erica thing. I is, don't know. Like, important. if you find out that this guy molested your husband and now you've got kids, like, it's easy to transfer that emotion.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And also, like, the thing is, is that Virgil specifically said, I hurt him a long time ago.
0: Well, what is quote unquote a long time ago? is it five years when ago? an old
1: man says that I think it's more than when John went to prison? you think it's thirty
0: years ago I mean sure. it's ambiguous for sure you, I,
1: you can read that however you'd like a long time ago is not a decade when a seventy year old man saying it though right I, like I, me saying like my my son saying a long time ago is this summer last week, yeah, me saying a long time ago is in high school. Seventy-year-old man said a long time ago is like you know black and white film depression shit. Okay, <laughs> I suppose you're <laughs>
0: right about that. There is an implication given his age. Yeah, I. Hmm. But it's yeah. an implication. It is. There's nothing concrete there for sure.
1: All right, Travis S said I mentioned this on the forums and I was pretty much blown right pat. Wait, uh, and it was pretty much blown right past, which may mean I already have my answer. But what do you think of the theory that, like the guy in Australia Kevin just can't die? When the lake emptied, when he attempted to drown himself, that news bite. Uh, I heard that news bite, and I started to wonder if we were heading that direction for Kevin as well. Any thoughts? We've talked about it, but it's been a while. Yeah. Kevin as the unkillable man, and even Virgil says, you either got someone looking out for you or a very powerful adversary. I so, feel like we're going to get more information about this in the next episode or two.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I'm. I'm wondering what Virgil thinks or knows about this. Does he realize that Kevin's unkillable? If so, how does that play into whatever plan he's got going of killing himself? Last Why we would he also didn't talk about
1: the fact that Virgil was able to sense Patty on him? Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of how he would know that.
0: Yeah. It makes. I don't know. I mean, maybe he has some tie to. Some other existence, some other universe, world, uh-huh. you know? Like Maybe there's a
1: crazy old coot message board that Kevin Sr. and Virgil are on. And he's Kevin right. Sr.'s like, hey, my, my son's coming down. He's lost his mind. He's going down to Miracle. Is there anybody got any crazy old coots down to Miracle? And Virgil's like, <laughs> yeah, old crazy, crazy old coot, old coot, coot. reporting. <laughs> no. I've been shot up and I see dead people. And he's like, you're my man. <laughs> there you go. It's crazy yeah, it, old coots online.
0: I don't know. It's interesting. Can Kevin be killed? I mean, clearly it looks as if he's dead and dying, like body dead, brain on the way. Uh, oh, by the way, I thought it was also
1: interesting that know. Virgil said, you know, he's talking about a, a uh, 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 what, what you, an exorcist situation. He's like, as your head uh, spinning around, are you throwing up? Yeah. By the end of the episode, his head was twitching around and he was throwing up. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of cool foreshadowing uh-huh. that I didn't catch until like my third watch.
0: And that the consistency and color of that stuff he drank was kind of like pea soup. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Or seven day old cub, <laughs> oh, which I don't know.
1: Maybe you've had a mason jar of that sitting around. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what that would look like. I have not. I can. Rare tell you that. that I get to say that to, to you, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw that out. I've not seen a mason jar full of seven-day-old semen. Neither have I. Not for a good 20 years, anyway. Uh, so, I, like I said, that's that's an interesting idea. We've talked about it before. We haven't really gotten any new information. Kevin did die, but again, he died in scare quotes. So, yeah. we'll, more to come. Ashley says, the Nora thing bothers me because it seems a little out of character for her to split like that. It's also, uh, and also it's because she's concerned with, uh, her or Lily's safety. Why not even talk to Jill or take her with?
0: Or is that assuming too much? I feel like we did a pretty good job of
1: talking about this.
0: I do have lingering questions, and I don't know if they're ever going to be addressed, but we'll see. I guess. All right, let's move on then. Barry C from the U C or from the U C from the U K.
1: The beauty of this show is that despite getting answers at quite a frantic pace, the answers just leave us even more intrigued. Lori quite masterfully debunked not only Kevin's situation, but every quasi-supernatural situation on the show, including Holy Wayne and the Guilty Remnant. Yet Kevin still went with the quote-unquote spiritual option, and look how it turned out for him. I have a theory that Virgil, wanting to atone for his sins, decided that Kevin was responsible for the disappearance of his granddaughter, so he did what he did when there's nothing left to do. What do you think? So you're the one that sent that in to me. Uh, we talked about it, and yeah. I think you, we, we communicated what we thought. I think so. Uh, postscript, don't worry, Kevin isn't dead. Virgil's body fell on him after he shot himself. The walkers ate him instead, and then he crawled under <laughs> a dumpster. Oh, God. Lots lots, lots of shots fired against the walking dead. Yep. Uh, good one. Frano said, was Kevin's ordeal with Patty an allegory of Lindelof dealing with internet trolls? From the rickrolling to the suggestions to drink bodily fluids from the ever-present uh, and constant criticism without providing positive direction, seems like Lindelof have uh, had to have his internet presence die to be free. That's pretty insightful. That Patty is essentially sure. his Twitter account. <laughs> that nobody's telling him how he should run a show. They're just all convinced that the way he's doing it is bullshit and he should drink a gallon of cum uh, or five bag, a uh, five bag full of shit, or what have you.
0: Yeah. Uh, man, I wonder what goes through his head as he's writing these things. D- does he include those sorts of things in his writing? I think he's the type that would.
1: And this is something he can really Maybe. You know, articulately talk about. Like, what is the effect of constant, persistent, narcissistic criticism on oneself? Like it can't sure. be healthy. No, definitely not. Especially if you're the one if you don't have like a publicist and you're just reading this. Like you're just ever after every episode of Lost, you just get on there and mainline all this venom. Like that can't be good.
0: Yeah, it's like Scott Gimple listens to our podcast. <laughs> and mainlines it do mainlines of venom? We do.
1: To be fair, we do give him a lot of suggestions beyond go fuck yourself. Uh, like
0: the the come thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: On a more serious note, I feel like the death of Kevin was inevitable. I was asking myself throughout the episode how much more punishment Kevin and the rest of the Garvey crew could go through without snapping and still have the audience buy it. But once again, Lindelof pulled it out of the fire once again for a cathartic release. Who will Kevin and Virgil be haunting now? So it seems like that uh, uh, Fran here is of the opinion that
0: Kevin is for real dead. Yeah, so I think whether or not he's for real dead... This does kind of neatly uh deal with that idea of like they've been through so much. Can they really continue to drag the shit? Well, they don't have to because Kevin clearly is ready to kill himself.
1: Do you think this will be the version of the Holy Wayne hug that he'll come out of this apparently a cured man, but then and and also if they if they go to that where it's it's the Wayne hug where it seemed like it did the trick for Nora and then until it didn't, yeah. Uh, do you think that that will eventually feel cheap? I'm trying to think of all the ways the show could fuck up. Because the one thing that people assume it's going to fuck up is the one that I think I'm getting very tired of hearing, which is, do you think they're ever going to answer the mysteries around it? No! No, they never are. They're doing their damnedest to tell you not. And you still, every fucking week, fill up my Facebook front page with that tedious question. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they can fuck it up that way, or at least to any kind of reasonable person. But can they fuck it up by doing this stuff? Like, making it think, like, oh, we had a supernatural cure for something. Nope, this person just got knocked back on their ass and it was just a Band-Aid. Like, this has to lead to some kind of change, right? That's some kind of permanent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it depends. It depends on whether, ultimately, the message... That they want to get across as a positive one that's or true. a pessimistic one, because if they say people never change, you can't or change Only for the worse. Or or yeah, that like you're just beat down by life and circumstance till you can't take it anymore. They could go that route. If they want to say people can change and here's how and and this is the benefit of it, they could go that route too. So that's on them. Daniel S says this
1: episode seems to go furthest towards taking a stand on the magic versus science line this show straddles so well. Tom's magic hugs are revealed to be bullshit.
0: Are they? Are they? Uh, yeah,
2: I'm not sure well, about
1: that. Lori's hotel speech made a compelling case that Kevin's visions were simply a mental illness, and a violent last scene illustrated the folly of trusting a magician slash hermit rather than a trained psychologist. Did it? Well, I mean, I, 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 I'll say yes. In my mind, yes, you should have listened to Lori and gotten some drugs and gone away for a okay,
2: while.
0: Okay, I agree. I don't think suicide even with the promise of, of coming back everlasting the, life yeah, is a good like a idea. A Pulp
1: Fiction-style epinephrine shot. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any way for this show to spin the dual suicide as some kind of authentic spiritual experience, at least not without a cheesy cheat like a vision during death, etc., that the show has admirably avoided thus far. Indeed, even this purest spiritual character, Michael, appears to be some kind of co-conspirator in the grandfather's quasi-murder of Kevin, it's always interesting to see where this show goes on the yin and yang of science versus magic. But right now it sure seems like there are no miracles left in miracle.
0: It is interesting where it goes. I, I don't know. I necessarily agree that the show isn't going to go there. Um, and is telling us such, I think if anything, this episode says there is a miraculous way out of this kind of, whether that's going to be false hope or not, I don't know, but The thing that it told me is Virgil has a plan, and it involves killing both of them, and I don't think it's just a murder-suicide. Yeah. I think there's something bigger here, and we're about to find out what it is. The
1: other thing is it's actually really fucking hard and easy to screw up killing yourself with a gun in the mouth. Oh, yeah. Like, he could have shot and, like, nicked his brain stem or his spinal cord or... You know, yeah. a thing that would knock him out for sure, and maybe he'll die of, of blood loss if no one treats him, but he could be patched up and even be speaking in st- next season. So you I can't suppose, take that yeah. off the table either. I know a gunshot to the head usually says this person's dead, but in a show like A Leftover and someone is, is like, Damien Lindloff seems like, or Damon Lindloff, <laughs> seems like he spends a lot of time on the internet. Like he's the type of person to do like the r slash watch people die or, you know, spends time dealing, uh, reading about weird, medical, bizarro shit. Sure, yeah. Like the guy, you know, the railroad worker that got a piece of rebar through his skull and became a completely different person. Or
0: Yeah, I bet he's got, like, a book where he just writes down ideas. Like, yeah. oh, I read this article about this guy doing some weird This is thing. a story concept. Write this down, and yes. then when he needs an idea, he goes through his book and he researches the shit out of it, yes.
1: right? So it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, Virgil's not dead. Maybe he's a vegetable. Uh, oh, here is another one. What if Virgil's in a vegetable in a hospital and Mary wakes up? Oh, uh, the k Paxus?
0: Is that where you're <laughs> what going? What the fuck is K-Pax? Wasn't he, uh, or did he disappear at the end? Does are he you, disappear? Who are you talking about? Kevin Spacey in K-Pax. Don't remember that
1: movie? Oh, my God. I think I locked out in my par- in the part of my brain right keep uh, Robin Williams' Bicentennial Man. Yes, I did see that, but I I'm pretty sure I. I it must have Like, been he veges out
0: at the end, right? Okay, like, and that's, like, to signify that the alien prot or whatever his name goes away. Yeah. Returns to his home. Uh, I don't know. Are they going to do that to us? Or are they going to say this was a way of him releasing himself from his confines of this existence? I don't know. And I, I, be I'm just it would be
1: interesting for him to be a vegetable and Mary to wake up.
0: It's the, the Another miracle yank. of miracle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, great monkey paw. I don't know. We'll
1: see. I'm kind of along for the ride, honestly. Jake from... Tallahassee puts on a tinfoil hat and says, what do you think about Kevin's Inferno-esque battle possibly connecting us to Australia? Edward the Pillar Guy, who died and came back, was last seen writing letters to Australia. Kevin's dad finally listened to the voices and is heading down toward Australia. Is Kevin heading to Australia, and or is Inferno equal Australia? Well, if you've seen the movie The Proposition, you would know that Australia is Inferno. It's pure hell. It's pure hell. Yeah. It's it's something that has to be survived. (laughs) Uh... Which we did a commission cast on on Monday.
0: Um, Huh. I don't know what the connection for Kevin to Australia is at this point.
1: Me either. I also think uh, there's nothing I forgot to talk about. Virgil's success story is the man that shits himself on a pillar.
0: Yeah, that doesn't bode well. Like, that's not saying you're going to come back and be cured, Kevin. Kevin raises an eyebrow at that, right? He's like, uh, but
1: uh, but it doesn't stop him.
0: You're right. Doesn't right. time from chugging that poison.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa G. This is the one that everyone's probably been like, talk about Inferno! One of my favorite stories in English class was Dante's Inferno, and this season has been reminding me of it so much, I don't know why I didn't put it all together sooner. You'd
0: love season six of Mad Men.
1: Yes, you would. There are many parallels to it this season, right down to Virgil's name. Of course, we know Virgil... Uh, well, actually, I'll just let her continue. In Inferno, Dante has lost his way, much like Kevin, and travels through hell where people are punished for their sins. He's led to a river, the border of hell, where a crowd of dead souls waits to be taken across. Similar to the people outside of Miracle? There is an earthquake, sound familiar, and Dante faints and awakens in the first circle of hell. Through the poem, Dante is often overwhelmed, and he faints and awakens in a new circle of hell. This reminds me of Kevin's sleepwalking. Last week, you guys talked about the gate to enter Miracle. In Inferno, there's a gate into hell which leads... Uh, some Latin phrase or French phrase that I'm not going to translate, but translates into Abandon all hope ye who enter here. I wonder Mm. if Miracle is supposed to be the representation of hell, or perhaps all these people are inside their own personal hell. Dante is accompanied by Virgil, who is his guide, although I'm confused because Virgil is supposed to represent human reason and wisdom, which I don't quite see based on him shooting himself in the head. I wonder if Virgil really is going to be his guide, perhaps by killing himself. Would a dreamlike in-death episode be too much? No, no, it would not be. It might betray the episode and be the one that we all look back afterwards and say this is the one where it jumped a shark. Yeah, but I can see me passionately defending a a spirit quest episode of The Leftovers.
0: Yeah, that has to be well executed. I will say that. Sure. Like I'm not gonna just.
1: But it's, but I'm saying like what episode? It, but what could he put on the screen in one episode that would have you immediately ban- abandon faith? Like that's how much credit
0: this show's got with me now. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing some ridiculous shit. Like he's walking through pools of lava and You that that be too much. Patty's in a white jumpsuit, he's in a red jumpsuit. Virgil's got a Anakin a versus yellow, Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Yeah, that kind of shit. No No, thanks.
1: that wouldn't fly with you. I
0: don't I've got the high ground, Patty. <laughs> you come at me, I'm going to cut your shit off and leave you for dead. I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little worried, but simultaneously excited by the proposition. We'll see how it goes. The
1: proposition, eh? Yeah. Uh, Tommy O said, did Kevin see the duck, or was that proof that Patty is real? This is the uh, flashcard mm-hmm. Russian sequence. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that. Um. Let me see. I also like the scene at the end of Michael and Virgil that they had orchestrated because they believe that Kevin's attempt to end his life that night was a direct cause of Evie's disappearance, and this is a test to see if the universe would right itself if Kevin actually did die or Mm. attempted to die again. This is a slight twist on the
0: Virgil's trying to atone or do something with Evie's disappearance. So here's my question. How would they possibly know that he tried to kill himself? Well, they know.
1: Because he he left the thing all in a hurry to kill himself, and then he did.
0: Left the thing in a hurry to kill himself. He went to oh Vir- oh that's right the first time he talked yeah, to Virgil yeah yeah, yeah 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 sorry
1: okay you're right <laughs> um let's see where was I um I'm not sure though why Virgil needed to kill himself was it a sacrifice initially I thought it might be guilt for lying to Kevin but it seems like there was very planned because he had the gun handy and Michael's reaction was more ooh that's gross and O M G.
0: Here's the other thing. Is Virgil's plan changed since Well the first time he told Kevin to kill himself? I th- and also,
1: like, maybe he didn't plan on killing himself, but he found out Lori's here, and if he wants Evie to come back, he knows about the conservation, so, well, shit.
2: He's
0: got to get rid of Kevin.
1: Yeah, he's got to get rid of Kevin But the first time he tells him to himself. kill
0: himself. Oh, and himself. Because gotcha. now it's
1: a year of plus one if you bring Evie back. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Um. Anyway, Joel H. says... Uh, one thing, I was praising the strength of Jill's character the last few weeks, even though I like the sentiment behind her church cussing, I still find her highly annoying this episode. She's a teenager, however, so I'll chalk it up to that. I love, I think Jill's great, and I think Jill is very realistically portraying a 18 to 19-year-old who is once again feeling abandoned by her parents and is acting out.
0: Yeah. Because that's I... what she gets, how she gets attention. I have no problem with her performance or her character.
1: <laughs> I well, is she it it does great on me when she starts screaming. She's got this kind of like uh I don't know the, the more the louder she gets the more snotty she sounds. Uh, hmm. but that's probably you know I sound like a fucking asshole when I scream, so
0: I think everyone does. Uh,
1: it, it's not it's not a beautiful but people screaming in anger and frustration is not a beautiful sound. So maybe you nope. hear that and you're like, "Yeah." But no, I I I like Lil uh, Jill and I like how she's being portrayed. Uh, do not come to this shop to preach shit against Nora or Jill I will smack you down every single time Yep. LNA said I find Kevin to be one of the most engaging male protagonists in television right now the way he's written and the way he's portrayed by Justin Theroux are uh, flawless he's the most damaged vulnerable character I think I've ever seen and every week I find myself in the throes of next level Kevin empathy so the possibility he might die is a huge bummer it's obviously unlikely that they'll kill him off but this is where I get to the point of the email this show is so incredible in every conceivable way that if Kevin never appeared in another episode, I think it would still deliver on every front. They've done such an amazing job of building this world and developing these interesting and rich characters that this show could continue without him and still leave my jaw on the floor at least every week. I could even believe that this entire season has been a way to wean us off the Garveys and on to John and Erica. They've successfully made all of their supporting characters as engaging and watchable as their leads. I would totally watch this show if the Garvey clan wasn't a part of it, and I don't doubt that it would become... It would maintain the pristine standard that I've come to expect from this show. Uh I also I did also notice that when Virgil dismisses Kevin's statement about the exorcist, he asks Kevin if he's vomit oh, she's making the same point we just made. Uh so what do you think about? Can we get rid of the Garveys and keep roll- rolling?
0: Man. Uh I don't know. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'd have to see what that show looks like to be sure, honestly. Like it's I I was more ridiculous. on board with the Murphys at the beginning of this season. Over yeah. the course it's become apparent that they're doing nasty things and they're enabling each other and uh I have a little less sympathy for them. I although I have some sympathy for Erica. Well, I think how, she's look caught how they up rehabilitated
1: in rehabilitated Lori. Just saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think like I said, I'd need to see that show. <laughs> like I think to at the, be sure. during the point where she dropped Jill's lighter down the storm
1: drain, I believe I went on record saying I hoped that a pack of a uh, dogs yeah. came out and ripped her limb for limb, uh-huh. and I would cheer that. <laughs> I don't feel that way about Lori now.
0: It's true. So, and so John maybe Erica haven't it.
1: pissed me off that bad. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and we're seeing more of you know why John's doing the things he's doing and getting a little bit more sympathy for him. Well, and also, it's like, yeah, we could do without Kevin, but the Garvey's.
1: I mean, does that mean Matt and Nora and Jill and Tommy and Lori? That's a lot of the show to completely cast off. Yes, I think we could do without Kevin. I'm not sure we can do without the larger Garvey verse. I don't think the Murphy verse yeah. is well enough populated yet.
0: That's the thing. They need to build it a little bit more if they're going to do that
1: uh daniel specter has a closing observation he wants us to talk about we have already a little bit i was curious to hear your thoughts about i think this season of season of the leftovers is arguably the best tv series of 2015 (laughs) arguably come on obviously there's very strong writing directing and acting but when i think about what really puts it over the top it may well be the music this episode is illustrative the use of rihanna's uh this was a last episode thing that i put at the end because it's talking about the best ever The use of Rihanna's stay was perfect for the fundraising scene as was a steadily building show theme in the last scene where Kevin confesses his hallucinations. Mad Men is particularly good at using music like this. Uh, Anyway, I'm curious to know your thoughts on how critical you think music is to making TV, a TV show truly great. Uh, It's a big
0: part of it. When I think about shows like Breaking Bad and The Leftovers, they, they have outstanding scores. Yeah. Uh, They know when to use pop songs and how to use them. Uh, And, it, you're right it takes what could be just a good scene and makes it great uh i think of like crawlspace for instance that yeah. that soundtrack there is incredible yeah and in its simplicity um and they do stuff i mean the, the stuff they're doing with the pixies in this season also is really working for me me too i saw some, i mean
1: it's a good thing. Lin, I thought it was interesting that Lindelof took so much time talking about it, and because I'm like Jesus yeah. Christ, it's a one episode thing. No, <laughs> this is Kevin's theme song this year. It is. So with it coming hot off the heels of Mr. Robot, I'm kind of. It makes more sense of why he tr- was a little defensive about that. Definitely, because yeah. he is really using it, but I think in a great way. It's a it's a great song for this particular purpose.
0: Yeah, and all the different versions they use of it, I I really like and. Uh, so I just, I want to comment on what I think actually makes the show great, great, Uh which is not the music in my opinion. It's the combination of acting and directing. I I mean, yeah, the writing's great and all those other pillars need to be there, but I've just seen episode after episode where the directing lets these actors do things that I don't know I've ever seen on TV. Sure. And, and,
1: and, and ground situations to where you just accept them with that question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the conversations these people are having wouldn't work without the space to have them. And yeah. I feel like that's where the direction is really shining, is giving these actors the space to do the things they need to do yeah. without trying to cramp them into. We got, look, this needs to be a three minute scene, so you can't do the four and a half minutes that it really needs. No, they they just let it be what it is. And that's.
1: Making it great. I also really appreciate the time they took that I feel like I've actually lost my mind along with Kevin. (laughs) Like, from the first episode Uh where he was this, this kind of strong central character but had some mysteries and, like, am I losing the bagel? Am I losing my mind? And, like, oh, the dog catcher's real, so I guess I'm okay. Like, it's really been... A nice, slow descent that's believable at every step and had me fully engaged. Like, I've -hmm. I've always had problems dealing with people, main characters that have mental issues. Because it's hard to be inside their head and accept everything as real. But this show has done it. Like this, yeah. I feel like this, and maybe that's uh, like psychologists be like, no, this is actually stupid. This shit doesn't happen this way. <laughs> this is
0: Psychology one hundred one or something. But like.
1: I actually feel like this. I, I I've gotten insight on what it's like to be a paranoid, suffer from paranoid delusions. Uh huh. And you know, I don't know if that's schiz. I mean, I'm I, I don't know the DSM v this you know uh, diagnosis for everything. But I I feel like I'm I'm getting a window into what it's like to be this kind of psychotic. Yeah. And it's really, uh, in, in a very empathetic way.
0: Do we know if there's going to be a season three yet?
1: No. But I would be shocked. Okay. The one thing that scared me is that, you know, we talked about when we did our The Brink coverage, mm-hmm. that they renewed The Brink. HBO just announced two weeks ago that uh, we're reneging.
0: They're not doing The Brink too.
1: They renewed season The two? Brink in July, and they canceled it in August in October. Huh. Interesting. So, and I'm like, well, if they renewed both the ball- ballers and the brink, then there's no fucking way. They're not going to. But also, like, this show does better than girls, and they keep bringing girls back. Okay. And I feel like if they want to, they would.
0: I mean, they're just going to destroy the as, Emmys. They're this at year. least
1: as interested in bringing, uh, of, of keeping Lindelof around as a storyteller as they are, you know. Uh, it would be smart yeah the girl from girls like god damn it what is it uh, hannah uh, hovart is what I, it's not that's not her name no you know who i'm talking about i do shit and i love that show too like i'm I'm excited for its new season so hbo is a different show I, I feel like you can't get too caught up in the numbers the numbers are actually doing better it's it's starting to go back up again and you're right. This show is going to fucking slay at the Emmys. <laughs>
0: I can't imagine a world
1: where it like, doesn't. Like, I think, usually I think the Emmys are kind of bullshitting, and, and I know that there's a lot of critics that I respect that don't have a voice on it, but it, holy shit, I feel like this is going to, across all the actor and actress, across the drama, across the writing, across the direct, it's going to get nominations for everything, and it's going to win a lot.
0: Yeah. Because official prediction <laughs>
1: yeah I think this. in all the in all the years I've covered television the three or four years, I've always said like, oh man who's got the best? so far seven episodes in I think the the leftovers is the runaway best show of 2015. I'm with you hundred percent now there's people that just don't are colorblind to this this show I get it yeah they, they don't like they don't have that taste receptor. I and I and were a bunch of lunatics talking
0: about it, but man, if you can pick up this wavelength, it is the best. I also think that's less of an excuse this season than it was the first season. I think this is a much more like plot-driven, interesting season. I get it, but I'm just saying there's people that I
1: respect that have noped out of this show hard. Sure, and I don't want to like, like a lot make of noped out season one though. Yeah, true, true. Um But yeah, I don't, I don't want to judge people for that. I'm just saying that like I. I feel sorry for you in the same way that, like, if you're lactose intolerant, you know, you don't, <laughs> the, 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 all yeah, the cheese I mean, you're
0: missing. <laughs> at this point, I'm, I'm, like, I'm already looking forward to our 2015, like, top 10 yeah. shows, because I, like, I just want to proclaim this the winner and move on. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How could we there's, lose? There's a lot
1: of television, there's three hours of television left, if not more. Yes. Um, But it's going to be, I, we were just talking about this yesterday, it's hard to imagine that it stumbles so bad that it falls out of the number one spot. Like, not even the top five, but yeah. like the number one spot. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really good year for television, too. There's been some good stuff. Yeah. So, we're going to be into The Baldies are going to be interesting this year. Yep. That's all we got. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at the Leftover. Not, Jesus, I always want to put the Leftovers on there. It's Leftovers at BaldMove.com or on our forums, forums.BaldMove.com. All those links are in the show notes and on BaldMove.com.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: BaldMove.com. <laughs>
0: Should I say it too? It's a pretty good site because why not? yeah Baldmove.com. dot com all right. that's it for this week. We're gonna be back next Tuesday with another podcast on what is hopefully another stellar episode. I don't know. it might be it might be literally Dante's Inferno when here. You look at
1: the the episode title. It's actually called a very stellar episode. <laughs> so things are looking pretty good. a
0: most stellar episode even <laughs> the most, most powerful episode yeah. is what it's called. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week. Uh, Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.